0: Get Together Games, get to get together games, where we like to get together and nerd out. Get Together Games, get to get together games, where we like to get together
1: and nerd out. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Get Together Games, where we like to get together and talk about the latest and greatest news in the video game community. As always, I am your host, Josh Saracola. I would normally tell you that you can catch the show every Monday and Wednesday at 11am live But I am done doing that until further notice, just due to my scheduling. Uh, I'm just going to do this show when I can. If you catch it, you catch it. If you don't, you can always watch it at a later time on Twitch for up to seven days or indefinitely on YouTube. Go to any of the URLs below, give a like, give a follow, give a share, give a shout out. Whatever you can do. But, uh... It'll probably be on the weekends from now on, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> um, we're going to read about three articles today. Before that, we're going to jump into the releases from yesterday's date on Friday, March 22nd. Um, before we do that, I'm going to crack this bad boy open right here. Uh, you can also catch the audio version of this podcast on Apple and Google Play podcast services. So go give that a rating. I have a zero rating right now because I have not had enough ratings. So I could use a little five-star rating or what have you but without further ado on friday march 22nd we have caretaker released on windows pc miles and kilo on xbox one peasant knight on the nintendo switch sekiro shadows die twice on the playstation 4 xbox one and windows pc that is in my playstation right now installing so i will be doing probably a live stream of that game once this show is over if you want to check that out. Then we've got Stories, The Path of Destinies on Xbox One. And Sushi Time on the Nintendo Switch. Trailmakers on the Xbox One. Unravel 2 on the Nintendo Switch. Unravel was a cute-ass game. You're a piece of yarn. And as you go through the level, you are unraveling. Uh, hence the name. And you just keep getting less dense and less dense until you need to re-up with a new ball of yarn that you find along the way. It's a pretty cool little adventure about a... A family who, I didn't really finish the game, so I don't know the story behind it, but the family was disappearing and we were checking out the paintings and jumping into paintings and that would be the world and you were going through the memories of the family. It was a pretty, pretty cool concept. We also have Visaria, Lair of the Forgotten on Xbox One. Inventioneers on the, well, that comes out Monday actually. Inventioneers on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, All right, so now we're going to actually watch a demo of a game. I think the one that I'm going to choose is called Miles and Kilo. It seems pretty interesting. I like the artwork. I like the, the retroactive graphics. It looks more like a Nintendo game. Sorry, I'm trying to get back to my list here. There it is. Miles and Kilo. I hope I'm saying that right. Maybe they'll correct me. Also, before I say anything else, The Division 2, get it. It's amazing. It's doing everything. that Anthem messed up. There's so much loot. Loot everywhere. One of the articles we're going to talk about is actually pertaining to the loot. And it's something new I just found out when I looked this article up. So I'm excited to jump back into that. And we'll get more into detail later on. But the Division 2 is just flawless right now. I cannot stop playing it. I got a great group of friends that I'm playing with and a clan. Our clan is actually in the top 5% of all clans. So, fuck with me, guys. You can't. You cannot keep up with this. We are just kicking ass left and right, doing so much stuff. Got so much clan experience. I think our first place person has, what, was it 7 million? I don't even want to try to remember. It was a ridiculous amount of experience. And I'm like, I just hit a million clan XP. And he's like millions and millions ahead of me. I'm number 22 in the clan out of 50. So, yeah, I've got some loser-ass friends I see on my network that are still trying to play Anthem. Just set it down. Stop being in denial. The game is trash, guys. Golly, maybe their wallets are hurting. I'm not sure, but they need to find something else to play. But, hey, to Easter on, you know, if you're playing the game, you're still a loser, but (laughs) recommend you find a different game. All right, so here comes our Miles and Kilo trailer. Once it loads up. Google Chrome has been acting crazy lately. Maybe they're trying to get everything running for this new Stadia thing. Likes to do that and black out. Come on, you can do it. Looks like a lot of fun to be honest with you. I love games with this art style. 16-bit graphics. Maybe even 8-bit. Definitely a Super Mario influence. Kilo. Go check that out on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Alright, we'll check out another trailer later on. Let's see which one we want to do. Uh, not Peasant Nights. I'm going to check out the stories, the path of destinies once we read an article or two. Alright, stories, the path of destinies. Go ahead and get that loaded up for us. Oh, I remember the first one of the I remember this game actually. I played it on PlayStation. I guess this is being re-released on an or I don't know what I played it on, but I've definitely played this game before, but we'll check it out anyways. <coughs> All right so now, without further ado, we'll be reading our first article. Let me get my information on and my sip of my beer yeah. Alright, so the first one we're going to read about is about Valve and Steam, and they've been doing a lot of, having a lot of problems with releases and pissing off people. (laughs) Uh, Let me get this article up, I'm sorry. move This mic over here. Kotaku, Valve. And there it is, it's called Valve's Rocky Road to better communication about Steam. This comes to you from Kotaku. Once this page loads up I'll tell you it's by Nathan Grayson. All right, let you read along with me if you would like. I'm assuming that's Nathan Grayson in this video. Nope, it says Valve head Gabe Newell on stage during Dota's international event. So it says credit to valve over the past 15 years. It's turned steam into a megalith and kept it relevant with a steady, if slow stream of new features, but in continually reacting to problems instead of anticipating them. And by keeping communication to a minimum valve has left a swath of damage in its wake. Get out of here from review bombs and toxicity to fiascos like the recent near release of post-apocalyptic rape fantasy rape day, After a press briefing at GDC in San Francisco this week, I spoke to Valve about its recent travails and the realm of transparency. Valve still plays things pretty close to the chest when it comes to communication, but the folks running Steam seem to be realizing that it isn't quite working. Recently, there's been an uptick in statements from the company's beating heart in Bellevue, Washington. Now, before I go any further, I just want you to know I will not be reading this entire article. It goes on for quite a while. Just going to read a few excerpts and... You can come read this yourself later on if you'd like to finish out the article. Says, quote, the company still likes, or I'm sorry, the company still thinks like it's this tiny little group of folks, director of marketing Doug Lombardi told Kotaku. We've never outgrown the mentality that we're only like 50 people, and the principle has always been just ship stuff, people will find it. Then we'll listen to developers and customers and make updates and stuff like that. Now we're hearing from folks that there's so much going on that they're being fed from the fire. Excuse me. That they're being fed from the fire hose and all that. Maybe if you guys took some time to curate your messages a little better, we'd understand where we're going, where your head was at. I'm sorry. Where you are going, where your head was at, and how to how to leverage it, etc. Steam business specialist Tom G- G- Giardino. Tom Giardino was frank in his new assessment of how unintuitive Valve's previous infrequent missives. About new features, changes and decision making could be, developers are so busy, he said. they might ship a game once every two or three years. A huge amount of steamworks, changes, and improvements come in that time. We'd oh re- uh, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm rusty at this. We'd work really hard on an update, ship it, and post a blog about it that maybe five hundred people would read. But Valve is still a primary reactive company, primarily reactive company, putting out fires where they arise instead of building features and policies that are immediately fireproof. This approach has frustrated many developers and users over the years. Most recently, that tendency drew widespread ire when earlier this month, a self-described game where you can rape and murder during a zombie apocalypse called Rape Day appeared on Steam, with a Steam page that said it was coming soon. After days of controversy, Valve announced that Rape Day would not be out on their platform after all, due to unknown costs and risks the game Imposed. uh i guess it's, he said it best that they're just thinking like a small company they don't realize the megalith that they have become <clears throat> and again like i said i'm not going to read this entire article but it goes and goes and goes and goes so come read the whole thing if you would like but basically they need to start doing a lot better they're, they're the anthem of the game game uh not developers but game salesmen game salesman world they uh they need to get it together it sounds like sounds like they're trying but like they said i like their little fire analogy instead of building fireproof services they're just putting fires out as they arise but uh this is just a s- small man in his living room talking about it <laughs> i have no room to judge in that matter they're doing way more things than i'm doing with my life at this point so Best of luck to them. I hope they get everything together, but they do need to have some kind of filter system. I've said it before. And I'll say it again. They need to have some kind of filter system, some kind of, like, application you need to fill out for your game so we can get some details on it before they just let people all willy-nilly upload disturbing-ass games like this shooting, the mosque shooting in, uh, well, I want to say it was in Australia or New Zealand or something like that not too long ago. Uh, there was, like... 40 games that were made right after that kind of tributing to that like it was like a tribute to that and it was just disturbing that people like what's wrong with people why would you do that why would you go make a game celebrating the fact that there was a mass shooting like that's like somebody at call of duty uh, makers making a game about the Las Vegas shooting and letting you snipe people that's just crazy to me like i don't know regardless now the next article we're going to read is actually about the division 2 this also comes to you from Kotaku. <coughs> and this is something new that I've just found out after reading this article. Tree, tree crates are a good idea in The Division 2 by Stephen Totilo. Now, apparently, there's fucking loot crates in the trees that you can shoot down. I did not notice that. Never noticed it. So if you see a parachute in the tree, you know, see some loot hanging, shoot it, drop it down, you'll get some good stuff out of it. Definitely going to try that out tonight when I jump on with the crew. It says... Your average video game puts loot in boxes that sit on the floor or on the bodies of enemies who drop it when you kill them. The Division 2 does all that, but they are raising the game, folks, by also putting loot in trees. I support this. I was maybe 20 hours into the Division 2 when I first realized there was a, there was loot in the game's trees. Maybe it was 30 hours. I'm not really sure. I'm with you, buddy. I'm probably about 20 or 30 hours in myself. And again, I, the only reason I'm finding this out is because he's telling me. So <laughs> hopefully this is not a... A com- this is not common knowledge, and everybody's not out there like, duh, how did you not know that? All right, come on, Google Chrome. Stop with all the pop-ups and stuff. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's like they know I'm streaming. They want that free advertisement. <laughs> all right, so it goes on to say, all I know is that at some point I noticed there was an orange parachute caught in a tree and that a crate was dangling from it. When I shot the crate and loot fell out. When I shot the crate... Loot fell out. I think I said that wrong. It says, That's had me peering up at the tops of more trees as I prowl through the game's version of Washington, D.C. For all the trees that game developers put in so many of their games, it's unusual for them to put any loot in them. In the Division 2, however, I'm finding parachutes and loot crates and trees all over the place. I'm now noticing them in other strange places, too, like the roof of a museum. I have noticed that every time you see a ladder, there's probably a gun box at the top of that ladder. One that goes up, mind you. Now, if you go down into the dungeons, or not the dungeons, but the sewers... Underground tunnels and things like that. That is where we have found all of our True Son's Keys. Hyena Keys. Or there's one more. True Son's Hyenas. Oh man. What is it called? I think there's a Coyote Key. <coughs> I can't get it. It's not on the top of my head. But regardless. If you see a tunnel. Go in it. There's a bunch of loot in tunnels. Not any enemies. I have not run into any enemies underground yet. In the sewers. yet, At least. So. Here's a screenshot. I'm not really sure, oh, that's salute loot hanging from the top of the museum that he's talking about. Okay, I see it up there hanging from the parachute. You see it right here. It says, this isn't a big thing, but as I've said many a time before, I like the small things in video games. I like when designers tweak a trope just enough to offer something fresh or to change the way a player might look at a game world. This game's dangling crates do that. In other words, it makes you look at things you wouldn't normally look at before, which makes you appreciate the environment a whole lot more, and the people who created this game deserve their attention. Fun fact, I thought I was going to be able to say that the dangling crates always operate with a certain logic and always drop cosmetic dyes for your clothes or weapons. That had been my experience until I shot at the one hanging from that museum. It's the National Museum of African American History and Culture, by the way, and likely the newest museum in the game. The crate hanging from the museum didn't drop a die, but had other decent loot. Oh well, maybe it's just the ones in trees. Fun fact number two. Yes, this is the third Division Two game diary of the week. Variety is the spice of life, folks. But when half of the team is on the road and your editor and chief is playing just one game, one game every day to inch closer to review, well, we'll have some non-division diaries next week. <laughs> uh, I'm loving the Division diaries. I love the game. They're they're doing very well with it. Could not ask for a better release. Uh, apparently the beta did not go over too well, but then the game came out and it was just beautiful. Some people are having some blue screen crashes, but all they have to do is close the application log back in and then it'll it'll even bring them back into the same same uh group that they were in before i'm at a loss for words so i think that's pretty cool again this game is doing amazing i can't wait to see how well sekiro is doing it's not an online games of service games as service i'm sorry so it's not going to have server issues and things of that nature but the game looks beautiful from what i've seen can't wait to jump into that and check it out Again, I will be streaming Sekiro after this, most likely. If not, I will be at some point in time. But now we're going to jump in and check out this trailer for Stories, The Path of Destinies. I hope it's a sequel because, like I said, I've already played this game. I don't understand where they're coming from saying it's just released. I've definitely played this game before. (laughs) I've got it downloaded on my PlayStation right now. So I'm not sure what the release is. Maybe it's a DLC or something of that nature. Let's see. Uh, Again, audio listeners, you can come to Twitch or YouTube if you'd like to actually see these trailers. I apologize for you having to just listen to them. But uh, truth be told, there's probably nobody listening at all. I have a very, very small uh, audience. Without further ado, here is Stories, The Path of Destinies.
0: Once upon a time... There was a hero. Like every hero, he enjoyed strolling in majestic landscapes. And like every hero, he would do something he'd soon regret, like getting a tattoo or fighting an empire. But heroes have nothing to fear, right? Right? He has been here before, as he gazed at the book. This time, he would seduce the emperor's daughter the ladies could not resist that old Sky Pirate mug. Most ladies. No, what he needed was a good friend. But good friends were always in need of rescue. The book was showing him a path. Every time he died, he learned something new. He was becoming stronger, faster, smarter. Maybe not smarter. He had died over and over again, but now he had a plan. He would use evil to fight evil. That was the first time he destroyed the empire, and the first time he destroyed the world. Many destinies. One path lived.
1: See, it even says here, available April 12th, 2016. I don't know if this is a fucking reliable website to be getting my release dates from, because it told me that The Division 2 was coming out on March 12th when it came out on March 15th. I'm going to have to check into that. I might need to get a new source. (laughs) Uh, But regardless, go check that game out. It's definitely worth the $5 or whatever they're going to ask you to pay for. It's like a network game. It's not a huge release title. But I can't wait for that at all. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean I can't wait for that. I enjoyed that a lot. Again, I'm rusty. I haven't done this in like a week. <laughs> Next article we're going to talk about is from The Verge. It's going to be about Stadia. If you remember, Stadia is the new Google platform that they've talked about at GDC that's had so much hype lately. But apparently they're trying to push Google on you. Let me see, this is not the article I'm looking for. I apologize. They make a good comparison, though. That it says they want to be the Netflix of gaming. That is very true. Alright, so this comes to you from Julia Alexander. It says, Google Stadia wants YouTubers to play with fans but that could leave creators open to attacks. (gasps) Excuse me. Says Google wants its upcoming game streaming service, Stadia, to up the ante for live-streamed games on YouTube, but Google didn't uh, um, address the many ways its system could lead to harassment. Demonetization and other problems for creators. One of Stadia's most exciting developments for YouTube creators is crowd play a feature that allows creators to play games like NBA 2K19 with their viewers it seems like a good idea on the surface but Google's presentation didn't mention any potential harms that could come from crowd play for just over an hour multiple members of Google's Stadia team and YouTube's head of gaming Ryan Wyatt spoke about the benefits Stadia had for players and creators gaming is more seamless Google Stadia chief Phil Harrison claimed Wyatt told YouTubers it would open a whole new world of interaction and engagement with fans Neither Harrison nor Wyatt touched upon one of the most important questions. How easily can bad actors take advantage of crowd play? Imagine a popular YouTube creator with a sizable audience. Then they have an army of dedicated fans that follow them everywhere and are ready to line up for a chance to play a game with their favorite YouTuber. Stadia is a perfect way for integrating that company of loyal supporters into a more collaborative space. Live streaming with fans is the digital equivalent of signing autographs after a show. Crowdplay does prevent or does present this opportunity, but neither Google nor YouTube explained how the queuing system would work. A popular YouTuber known for gaming streams like Dan uh, the Dan TDM or Jack Septici Septic Jack Septic Never heard of either one of those. May attract trolls who purposely line up for an opportunity to yell offensive or hateful words on the stream when that happens, it's often that the creators hosting the stream who have to deal with the consequences. I I read that completely wrong. When that happens, it's often the creators hosting the stream who have to deal with the consequences. So if a creator using Stadia is Google. So if a creator is creator is using Stadia, which Google and YouTube want them to do, what protects them from flagrant abuse? That's true. I mean, how are they going to make money off of it if There's somebody acting a fool and then YouTube's like, no, we're going to demonetize that video. So now you've got 2 million views on it, but we're not going to give you any money for it because you got a guy in there acting stupid and they don't want to promote it. But it goes on to say, these problems aren't just possibilities in the realm of live streaming. They happen regularly. YouTube is home to countless compilations of trolls using voice chat or text-to-speak technology in an effort to disrupt live streams. It's unclear if Stadia will allow YouTube creators to choose who they play with or if the lobby just measures how many people are in line youtube or google may have already planned for bad actors abusing the system but no one addressed it during the keynote youtube and google are both aware of how many people can abuse their systems but choosing not to acknowledge a crucial part of live streaming culture when asking creators to do more of it is concerning Creators could jeopardize their YouTube accounts by allowing strangers to enter a match. They may receive a 90-day ban from live streaming on their platform and a strike against their channel if someone comes in and starts yelling hateful terms. If someone were to jump onto a stream and do this, the punishment automatically falls on the creator. According to YouTube's current rules, however, how how can YouTube and Google convince creators to readily jump into Stadia when they haven't addressed these apparent concerns? There are other vulnerabilities for creators that exist outside of bad actors, too. Both Wyatt and Harrison touted Stadia as a tool that could help further monetize creators' channels. Monetization is a constant subject of conversation within the creator community, as fluctuating policies from YouTube often leave creators concerned their channels will lose monetization privileges. One constant source of ire for creators is copyright claims. Although YouTube can't ignore copyright law, creators have become frustrated. Again, neither of Google's executives touched upon this. Uh, for example, if a Drake song were to play in an t- NBA 2K19, Warner Music could c- claim copyright infringement, meaning that creator couldn't monetize their live stream. It's an issue that's led YouTube creators to sing a- acapella versions of copyrighted songs in an effort to bypass said rules. <coughs> It'll be difficult for YouTube to court creators to use Standia until... Let me try that again. Sinuses are killing me right now. It'll be difficult for YouTube to court creators to use Stadia until or unless the company addresses whether copyrighted songs during live streams will affect monetization practices. YouTube and Google may have answers for this, but withholding them from a press conference geared toward developers and content creators is frustrating and a little fearful. I get the point. I'm not going to continue reading this article. You can come to The Verge and read it yourself if you would like. Scroll to the top so you can see the name of the article it says Google Stadia wants YouTubers to play with fans but that could leave creators open to attacks how does stadia prevent trolls from attacking creators um <coughs> that is awesome or uh, uh, it's awesome that they're pointing that out they definitely need to address this issue. I didn't even consider that issue. I did not think about that at all. Honestly, YouTube is my least bit of concern when it comes to platforms that I'm streaming on. I don't really care if I have an audience on YouTube or not. I don't ever plan to make money on YouTube. I don't think it would ever really happen that well. I know a certain streamer that has thousands and thousands of viewers and a huge community and they make Not much money at all off of YouTube just because of demonetization things. They can't play certain trailers and things that they want to talk about. So they just set up a Patreon account to make a difference in the income. So YouTube needs to get it together, man. They're selfish as fuck when it comes to demonetization. They're making millions and millions of dollars and they're trying to take, they're trying to use every bit of leeway they have to take that monetization off of other videos due to copyright infringements and other things that they are just trying to pull out of their ass, in my opinion. That is my opinion and my opinion only. Uh, I used to make songs within my studio, you know, original songs and covers and things of that nature, and post them on YouTube, and then I tried monetizing my videos and and got into the Google Analytics and trying to understand how all that worked, and like they say, every week there's a new thing you gotta worry about that might demonetize your video, and it's just it's very odd, I think I made a total of thirteen cents <laughs> off of all my videos, which I don't have very many views at all, so I could see how someone with millions of views could make some cash off of it but nonetheless it's 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 gonna be interesting to see how they handle that because that is you you know for instance, if somebody jumps in a stream like they said and starts playing a song and the, or they're just listening to music while they're playing with their favorite creator, it's gonna hit that Warner Brothers thing. I tried to play a um song of the day, the very first stream I ever did, and as soon as I hit that song of the day, it ripped that thing off YouTube, ripped it off Facebook, shut down my stream, if you weren't watching it on Twitch, you weren't getting to watch it anymore, so it kind of sucks that it limits the things you can do, it should still at least let the stream keep going, but then put a tag on it or something, (coughs) I am sorry, I don't know what's up with my throat, talking too much. Regardless, that's about all we have for today. Again, the schedule is not 11 a.m. Monday and Wednesday anymore. It is just whenever I have the free time. It'll probably be no less than once a week, but maybe you'll get twice a week. It'll probably be on the weekends. If you catch it, you catch it. If you don't, you can watch it at any later time for up to seven days on Twitch or indefinitely on YouTube. Go to the Twitch account and follow my account, and you'll get a notification when I go live, and then you won't have to worry about missing the show if you really want to watch it that bad. Again, this is Get Together Games. Thanks for watching. Go check out the audio version of these podcasts on Apple Podcast Services and Google Play Services. Check me out. Give me a rating. Give me a review. It would help me out a lot. Again, um, my name is Josh Saracola, and we will see you next time.
0: Get together games get to get together games where we like to get together and nerd out nerd out get together games get get together games where we like to get together and nerd out nerd out